Welcome back, everyone, to the Dear Taiwan podcast, and my name is Teacher Joseph. I'm coming up on 10 years in Taiwan at this point, proud to say. So I thought that in the next few episodes of the podcast, it would be kind of fun to look back on not only my 10 years in Taiwan, but Taiwan's past 10 years in total. In this episode here, I just want to kind of ask the question, in the past 10 years, how has Taiwan changed? So, to be honest, when I think of ways that Taiwan has changed in the past 10 years, both for myself and for society as a whole, the conclusion I kind of came to was, not that much. And that's both a good thing and a bad thing. Yes, there have been some landmark changes in Taiwan, most notably the legalization of same-sex marriage, and some changes in tone towards relations with China, but... I think that for your average Taiwanese, well, heterosexual Taiwanese, um, day-to-day life has somewhat stayed similar across the past 10 years. Granted, there have been a lot of improvements, but lifestyles have somewhat stayed similar, family structures, uh, consumer behavior, etc., etc., etc. There haven't been such groundbreaking changes, but there have been changes. And I was able to think of 10 in Taiwanese society and in Taiwanese life, though they are still quite small, that I've observed and experienced across the past 10 years. So uh, without further ado, let's kind of go through them. Number 10 on my list is claw machines. This craze started back maybe in about 2018, where so many kind of vacant storefronts began being occupied by claw machine games. People would have obviously, if you know how they work, you you pay money. Usually it's 50 or 10 NT um, coins. And you kind of try your luck, but also try your skill to grab something on the inside. These are commonly found in arcades across the, the U.S. Maybe not so much anymore. But these exploded in Taiwan. And you couldn't turn the corner without finding a new claw machine. All of a sudden, one day, um, your favorite restaurant was gone And there was a new claw machine store kind of just replaced it. So for a while, this was this massive trend. And thoughts kind of ran around thinking like, is this some kind of like organized crime conspiracy? No, not at all. It just ended up being a a profitable business based off this trend. And the claw machine owners had to actually prove to the government that this was not gambling. There was skill involved. Legally, they had to do this at a certain point. Um, And the most ridiculous things were available in claw machines um, during this massive wave of claw machine stores. You have just toys, obviously. You had ramen noodles. You had snacks. You had sex toys. You had literal packets of toilet paper you could get, you had electronics, you had things beyond normal arcade prizes. And there's still plenty of claw machine stores out there in Taiwan, Taipei now. Um, Just kind of the the trend has died down. People aren't rushing out to a certain claw machine to try their luck to spend 10 NT every time to try and grab a, I don't know, 600 NT large phone power bank, for example. I honestly still don't know what this trend was in response to, Um, But it may have been in response to rising rents and the fact that you don't necessarily need to pay staff to maintain or to operate a claw machine store 
um, while it's open. But that was one thing that I didn't see when I moved to Taiwan, and one thing that you do see a lot more now. All right, number nine on my list of things that Taiwan has changed in the past 10 years is more craft beer. Uh, the craft beer wave has surged across the U.S. I don't need to tell you that. You probably know. But when I moved to Taiwan in 2012, uh, the beer scene was a bit more limited. The government had just kind of opened up the law to allow microbreweries. I think prior to 2004, all alcohol production was government-owned in the TTL Corporation. That's Taiwan Tobacco and Liquor. But when I moved here in 2012, your selection for beer was, of course, your usual Taiwan beer and Japanese brands at 7-Eleven or at supermarkets. Then you also had some kind of boutique Belgian import cafes. Um, cafes, wow. Bars in, in Taipei where you'd be spending quite a lot of money for really high ABV Belgian beer. But now, lo and behold, Taiwan has a lot of domestic craft beer companies that have started up. You have Jim and Dad's, which was started by a, um, a few Canadians, a large microbrewery in Elon, which has a flagship restaurant. You have Red Point, which is, uh, I don't necessarily know where they're based, but they have a huge restaurant also in Taipei nearby Technology Building Station. You have Jiangmen, which is a Taiwanese uh, beer-only company. They don't have a restaurant, um, but they brew in Shiji, and they have um, trendy, expensive bars all up and down the island where you're going to pay up to 400 NT dollars for some craft beer. They're even looking at opening a shop in Hong Kong. And there are some other kind of more mid-tier craft beer companies that have opened up. The first one I noticed was just called Taiwan Northern Brewing. When they did a white ale, they have a brewery in Daoyuan. It's pretty good, actually. And there's also Buckskin, which is associated with the Cavalon Whiskey Company, but not necessarily operated in the same way. It's just for domestic um, production and consumption. Never mind the fact that any kind of convenience store you go into, 7-Eleven, Family Mart, whatever, a lot of times they will actually have imported craft beer or just generally more imported beer than before. Um, I'm talking from places as far flung as Iceland, New Zealand, obviously the U.S. and Canada, though those are quite far flung from Taiwan by the time zones. And it's, it's amazing to see that craft beer is taken off knowing that when I first got to Taiwan, it was really only a Westerners living in Taiwan kind of scene. A lot more Taiwanese are more interested in trying craft beer, but also might indulge in it on a regular basis, hence there being craft beer for sale in random convenience stores. Craft beer is one side of the liquid spectrum. Number eight on the list of ways Taiwan has changed in the past 10 years is there's more coffee shops. There were plenty of coffee shops when I first moved to Taiwan um, in 2012, but that was kind of just the beginning of the trend. There's coffee shops everywhere. Every corner has a coffee shop now. There's Kama, there's Luisa, there's local chains. Starbucks is a little bit less fancy now. It was really fancy when I first got here. It was quite expensive and kind of really only a certain kind of Taiwanese person would kind of really go to Starbucks. But now it's like pretty much everyone can go to Starbucks. There's even a Starbucks on the highway between Elon and Hualien in the mountains. There's yeah a lot of other domestic coffee shop chains, but also a lot of other kind of standalone boutique trendy coffee shops as well, popping up all across the country in the most random places. Everybody's drinking far more coffee now than they were 10 years ago or before that when it was still a lot more of a tea country. There's still plenty of tea shops, of course, but 
my point stands that with the coffee shop on every corner and new shops opening left and right, some shops closing, of course, too, there is a domestic demand more so for coffee. Uh, number seven on my list of ways Taiwan has changed in the past 10 years, this is more so related to me living here as an English teacher, is I see that there's more jobs for English teachers in bilingual schools and fewer Saturday classes, at least the way I see it. There's plenty of jobs advertised online on Facebook on some of the jobs websites like T-Lit or Foramosa or even going back in time to Dave's ESL Cafe. There's a lot more jobs advertising no Saturdays because for a while, uh, Saturday classes were big business. Schools are obviously uh, are out on Saturday, so parents want to pay for extra lessons all day Saturday sometimes. But um, even when I was back at Hess from 2012 to 2015, they, uh, they stopped doing Saturday classes at my branch because they just didn't have enough enrollment. And, and thus the, the trends have kind of gone following the demand. There's fewer Saturday classes offered at Bushibans across the island, which I think is great. Take your weekend. But there's also more of a push towards fancier, loftier bilingual schools with more frills, with foreign teachers in the school itself, with um, more specialized and experiential classes. Uh, if you're certified or if you have an APRC, it's becoming decently easy to get a job full-time, normal hours at a private, bilingual, or somewhat international school. Even in Taidong, I saw a job ad being advertised that was something like this. And you didn't see that as much 10 years ago. Number six on my list of ways that Taiwan has changed in the past 10 years is that people are far more outdoorsy. I love it. Um, I've always been a big hiker back in the U.S. as well. And when I first was here in Taiwan, yeah, of course, there are some hiking communities and clubs and groups. But when you would be hitting the trails, the popular trails like Yamingshan uh, in Pingxi, challenging trails like Uliaojian and Huangdidian, or even kind of more far-flung trails like Beichatianshan, or even some trails deep into Xinju and Xinju County, Yilan County, and the Heping District of Taichung, you really would only see middle-aged to older Taiwanese hiking um, with groups. Great for them, don't get me wrong, but there was really not much of an interest in hiking or outdoor activities among the young uh, demographic, you know, millennials to down to Generation Z. Then Instagram happened, and now hiking is trendier than ever. A lot of people actually say that this kind of began uh, when tourism across uh, Asia, international tourism shut down when COVID started. But it, it, the wave of young people being more interested in hiking actually began before that. I, I, can, I can guarantee it because I would see plenty of more people in their 20s and 30s. The longer hikes around Taipei, again, Huangdidian hikes in Pingxi, uh, hikes in Sanxia, hikes in Taoyuan Fuxing, and that is awesome. But it's also gotten to the point where if you go to Uliaojian, that kind of Stegosaurus Ridgeback, amazing rock face trail, it's gummed up. There's traffic jams. There will be hundreds and hundreds of hikers on these amazing trails. Again, not saying it's a bad thing because it's not. People really should get out, hike, and explore their country. There's almost nowhere to park at the trailhead nowadays. And if you're kind of relying on some fixed ropes to kind of get you down to the next section of trail, it can get a little bit precarious because of the crowds. So 
I have noticed um, more of an emphasis on outdoor activities and hiking among young people, and that is amazing. That also ties into number five of ways Taiwan has changed in the past 10 years, and that is gym culture. Um, there's, there's a crap ton of gyms now. World Gym, Fitness Factory, these are some of the larger ones that uh, I just see. There are billboards everywhere. I don't go to the gym like that, or really at all, but anyway. Um, there is such a huge demand for private gyms. Um, there's a world gym in every city. Every small city would have one now. Even places like, you know, Miaoli City probably has one. Jiayi definitely has one. You get my idea. Like, there's, there's enough of a demand by Taiwanese across the whole country for gyms, for private gyms, because this is the new trend. I don't know if there's a direct causation by the penetration of new social media like Instagram and TikTok as we kind of get away from Facebook. But I will say that, you know, I noticed the wave of gyms opening up and a lot more young Taiwanese being more focused on their appearance, their fitness appearance, and not just following certain fashion trends. I noticed this maybe about 2015. Taking good care of your body and focusing on health is an excellent choice. I just wonder how much of it is for that and not so just for IG. So that's number five for um, the ways Taiwan has changed in the past 10 years. I should add here that yoga pants have caught on. While yoga pants were definitely a common fashion trend in when I was in college, they just were kind of non-existent here in Taiwan when I first moved here. But um, people are even kind of wearing active exercise wear like yoga pants um, and wicking clothes to work. And that's kind of almost become the norm outside of, you know, kind of more stuffy office jobs. All right, number four way that Taiwan has changed in the past 10 years um, is attitudes towards Korea. And what I mean by this is when I first moved here in 2012, there was kind of this rivalry between Taiwan and Korea, at least in the minds of many Taiwanese. Talking to Taiwanese, you they, they would willingly kind of share their opinions about Korea and say that, you know, uh, we, we don't like Koreans because they all cheat at baseball. Apparently, there was this massive rep reputation about Korean teams cheating at baseball in international competitions. I have no evidence. I'm not a huge baseball fan, but... I think it has something to do with their fans being so raucous and loud and chanting in the stands and distracting the other country's team because they didn't know how to deal with it. At the time as well, in 2012, there was a bit of a rivalry between HTC and Samsung for domination in the smartphone market. And, I mean, obviously Samsung has won that. Now the only two kind of, like, really large companies with worldwide market share are Samsung and Apple. HTC is actually kind of caved. Um, not saying that their phones were ever terrible, but they just were never as, as good as Samsung. And Taiwan has kind of shifted more focus back to back to component production. You see a lot more semiconductors, obviously, and other phone parts being manufactured in Taiwan, but not so much flagship brands of di distribution of final products. Yeah, so in 2012, between a rivalry of cell phone brands, smartphone brands, and uh, some kind of potential baseball cheating scandals or rumors, a lot of Taiwanese kind of had really uh, negative or dismissive views of Korea and Korean people. Then K-pop takes off. K-pop just gets even more popular. I'm sure it was already taken off at that point. And this current generation of Taiwanese absolutely love Korea. 
most Taiwanese are listening to K-pop music, watching Korean dramas, watching Korean movies, following Korean fashion trends. There's plenty of Korean fashion stores all across the big cities in Taiwan. And Taiwanese just generally love Korea. I don't think that there was really anything Korea deliberately did to Taiwan to make Taiwan feel so much animosity towards it uh, back in 2012. It was just kind of like the atmosphere at the time. You know, East Asian tigers being in competition. Yeah, nowadays, your average Taiwanese thinks of Korea in a very, very positive way. Delivery services. Uber Eats, Food Panda, Lala Move, Shopee. This has taken off. Now, I was actually kind of dumbstruck to find that... Um, now, with Taiwan's massive food culture of eating out, night markets, xiaoqi, and breakfast shops everywhere, and so on and so on, when I moved here in 2012, there wasn't necessarily a huge demand for food delivery service because you, you can literally walk out your front door and just look at a restaurant. That's how dense the cities are laid out. That's how kind of everyday life happens. Restaurants are everywhere. Um, people would generally eat things on offer in their neighborhood and there wasn't a demand for kind of food delivery, which kind of surprised me because, you know, being back in the U.S., even in 2010, when I was in college, for example, you had campus food, which kind of later it was absorbed into a different delivery company. And I mean, now in the U.S., obviously, you have Grubhub, you have Uber Eats, you have all those companies. But it took a little bit longer to take off in Taiwan. But when it took off, oh my God, it took off hardcore. And I think it was actually partially due to a delay in Uber's access into the Taiwanese market about the way to kind of regulate delivery as a business rooted in an app on your smartphone. But you can't turn you can't turn the corner while you're driving and not pass by a different Uber Eats or Food Panda delivery driver on a scooter. This has also, I think it's fair to say, correlated with Taiwanese having a bit more of an adventurous palate and looking to try more international cuisines on offer on the Uber Eats app, and maybe using that to discover more new restaurants that they wouldn't really find just by walking around their one uh, local neighborhood. Shopee has really taken off in the wake of COVID. Um, now, Taiwan has its, its own domestic e-commerce websites. PC Home is huge. Um, PC Home is still maybe the biggest online retailer, but they are much more so for appliance and electronics, at least the way I've, I've used them. Shopee, which for the record, Shopee is um, synthesized as Shopee in Chinese, which means shrimp skin. It's hilarious to me, but you know, maybe that's just me. Shopee took advantage of a new service of convenience stores where they would actually willingly accept package deliveries. And in the wake of COVID, this exploded. And so many Taiwanese were doing online shopping because, you know, it was people were a little bit more hesitant to go out into big stores. Malls are not a huge big deal in Taiwan, but people do shop a lot in kind of smaller stores in crowded downtown city areas. To the point where Shopee was having such a large quantity of orders and deliveries to handle, sometimes through convenience stores, sometimes by home delivery, they just open up their own individual uh, storefronts. So what you do now is you literally order whatever you want online. It gets delivered to your local Xiaopi Dian Dao Dian or um, Shopee store-to-store -store kind of checkpoint or um, receiving store. And you walk over 
around the corner and you just either show your ID or say your phone number and boom, it's there. But you know exactly when it's there. They message you obviously on a smartphone. And I suppose that means nearly the entire world or just the entirety of factories in China are uh, available for purchase at your fingertip. So yeah, um, food delivery services and uh, e-commerce taking off in a big way, really just in the past four years, to be honest. That's number three. Number two of the ways Taiwan has changed in the past 10 years, go grow. Electric scooters. You see so few green plate choker scooters nowadays. When I first got here in 2012, there was you would often see smaller scooters with green license plates just spewing noxious exhaust fumes down the road, like hilarious illegal amounts of um, pollution coming off these really old vehicles, which never needed an oil change. That was the deal with them. You just kept pouring oil in. All the particles just flew out the back. And they were terrible. And you'd see them driving through traditional markets, getting all their fumes on fruits, vegetables, and meat for sale. It was just disgusting. Seeing those is such a rare occasion nowadays, at least up north in Taipei and Taoyuan, thank God. Um, the government has kind of recalled a lot of them, or at least given some incentives to have people kind of scrap them at, at their local DMVs. I think it was about 2014 Gogoro launched, maybe even earlier. But, you know, people were a bit hesitant at first because they, Gogoro, the company, has to kind of set up um, quick battery exchange stations across the country. And nowadays, most of the country is covered by Gogoro battery exchange stations. And seeing an electric scooter, and they're very, very sleek and eye-catching, to be honest, compared to your usual run-of-the-mill uh, Yamaha or Kimco scooter, is just an everyday occurrence. They're actually selling quite well. They're selling internationally now. I saw Gogoro's in Europe when I was there a few years ago. Also much more affordable now. And knowing that they do have quite a long range of driving before they need to have a battery swapped makes me really interested in actually getting one for my next scooter, whenever that, whenever that is. Hopefully my current one lasts for a while, though. <laughs> yeah, so number two of the ways that Taiwan has changed in the past 10 years, you definitely see a lot more Gogoro and other brands of electric scooters cleaning up the air, quieter on the streets, driving more safely and comfortably. And the number one way that Taiwan has changed in the past 10 years, in my opinion, is you can flush the toilet paper. So 2012, when I first moved here, I was quite dumbstruck to find out that Taiwan would have uh, small garbage bins in every toilet stall because it wasn't common or wasn't recommended to actually flush your TP after you wipe. It's quite disgusting to put it that way, actually. But yeah, you would have a massive pile of used TP in a garbage can next to the toilet because... I guess when the way pipes were originally built, there was just such a risk of, of blockages and clogs in the sewers. I think it was about 2014, 2015, that the government officially made an announcement on you know government news saying, we now recommend that everyone just flush their own TP for hygiene purposes. And because the sewer lines have been expanded here and there in, in cities, most modern buildings can handle it. Although I think to a certain extent, Older buildings in Taiwan would have more narrow pipes and couldn't necessarily 
handle a large amount of paper being flushed. So if you are in Taiwan and staying in a very old building, like a kind of a five a five floor Gongyu building, or even a Sanhuiyuan back in the day, um, it might still be be recommended to uh, stack your used TP in a trash can. Maybe we were spoiled in the U.S. That's not really a situation anybody short of people living nearby a beach have to deal with because you know bathroom hygiene is important you just flush your used tp and thankfully in taiwan um, that is now somewhat the norm as well i can't speak for coastal areas that might have issues with leach fields and um, their separate sewer systems but across taipei and Zhongli, people flush their tp okay so this was 10 ways taiwan has changed across the past 10 years Again, claw machines, craft beer, coffee shops, bilingual schools and fewer Saturday classes, people being more outdoorsy and hiking a lot more, gym culture and gyms being everywhere, thoughts about Korea, food delivery services and online shopping like Shopee, more Gogoro electric scooters, and you can flush the toilet paper. In talking about this episode with my wife, she suggested one more, and I, I, I do agree with her. So uh, my wife's suggestion about one way Taiwan has changed in the past 10 years was uh, plastic bags and straws. There's been quite a big push from governments to kind of not ban, but limit plastic bag use, single-use plastic bag use, actually, and single-use straws. Because, well, it's a lot of trash. And plastic bags can very easily be reused. And if they're thought of as a different single-use resource, we've all heard the story time and time again about how about the environmental impact of single-use uh, trash. In about maybe 2016, governments in Taiwan kind of got serious in um, not outright banning plastic bags, but making it so that stores needed to actually charge to sell a more kind of heavy-duty plastic bag. You couldn't just get one willy-nilly. And even some night markets in Taipei, like Lehua Night Market, is a bag-free night market. You can, again, you can buy one from the vendor as well, but they're not going to give you, give you one for free. Um, tea shops, you know, like your typical ones like Coco or Usulan, they will usually only give you a bag if you have a bulk order, and they'll still make you actually pay for it. 7-Eleven, Carrefour, Chenlian supermarkets, same thing. You have to pay for a plastic bag. Now, where I do still see vendors and throwing plastic bags around willy-nilly to every order is breakfast shops. I don't need a plastic bag for my one half sandwich that's already wrapped in plastic. And as for straws, even though there was a bit of a push to kind of get rid of straws, it's still kind of the Taiwanese tradition to get like a bubble milk tea, a fruit tea beverage, and just pop, pop that straw into the drink breaking that kind of pressed seal on top. So there's been a lot of progress with plastic bags in Taiwan, and it hasn't been rigid regulation. It's been a lot of suggestions, and that's been kind of really good in my opinion. So number 11, I suppose, plastic bags and straws. Uh, I also opened up this topic to Reddit and got a lot of great replies to my post with other, other suggestions about the way Taiwanese society has changed in the past 10 years. And so when I asked the question to Reddit, I wrote, Hey, just curious, y'all. What small changes have you witnessed in Taiwan and Taiwanese society in the past 10 years? 
big things like gay marriage, small things like shopping and craft beer, and everything in between. And I got a lot of really great replies. Marco8080 says, less garbage, driving is less hectic, Taiwan is a bit more cosmopolitan, there's Costco in his city, there's more thought given to building facades, which I honestly disagree with, but you know, maybe where he lives there is. Then there's more recreational places. I also agree with this as well. There's more parks and places for recreation outside in cities in general. And this person also writes that the government is less corrupt, maybe less noticeable over a 10-year span, though. Now, this is not one thing that I have am at the right to comment on necessarily. I'm not a citizen. Um, I don't really know much or haven't read much about corruption in government as an issue recently. But some comments to, to Marco's post was, uh, bureaucratic interaction in Taiwan is the least stressful it is anywhere in the world, in my opinion. People are generally helpful, they're polite, there's no corruption, and most systems are efficient, and there's no siestas. Well, Taiwan does have a typical hour and a half lunch break, so you can actually go to the bank, and banks are a bureaucratic nightmare. Marco goes on to comment that when he first moved here in over 10 years ago, people would stuff a thousand NT bills into your mailbox around election time to get you to vote. MRTMRA comments and says, I'll tell you what has never changed. The price of my Shang Nai Cha, that little juice box of milk tea at 7-Eleven, that thing has been 10 NT dollars ever since inception. And I, I totally agree. But to a different point, Food prices in Taiwan have kind of gone up, with inflation, as is expected, as the minimum wages have been raised as well. Uh, Fabled Lamb says that S-Lite, the bookstore, is less and less of a bookstore. Yeah, people are reading more e-books, and S-Lite sells more kind of high-end stationary stuff. Times 3 the highest says that Korean food seems to have replaced Thai food. I never thought about this, but yeah, there were a lot of Thai restaurants when I first got here. And this person says, there used to be so many Thai restaurants. Now all the newer restaurants are Korean. And Vietnamese still seems to be somewhere in the middle. There's a lot of Vietnamese restaurants where I live, but they're all run by Vietnamese immigrants, many of whom have, you know, uh, married Taiwanese and settled here. They also say that there's a lot more electric vehicles on the road. Tourists from mainland China have effectively, effectively disappeared. And the KMT party looks a lot more ridiculous than it used to. Bob Daniels writes a lot of different kind of comments, agreeing with me, saying, Lots more cafes now, Louisa Coffee's everywhere, and lots of hip independent chains. This uh, Redditor comments on Gogoro's and scooter renting. Oh, scooter rentals through an app are actually kind of quite easy and common now, too. This person goes on to say that um, while there's more breakfast chains, there's a lot of lame Western brunch restaurants everywhere. They say that the standard of pizza has improved. I will agree. There's a lot, lot better and more accurate Western pizza restaurants. But also that YouTube and Instagram have developed fast more so than uh, back in 2012, where Facebook and Line were the main social medias in Taiwan. Eclipsed830 says, way less wild dogs in Taipei. We talked about this in a past podcast with, uh, with teacher Matt. Hilltop Tree says, for the past five years before 2020, before COVID, it's better and easier to use public transit thanks to the contactless cards like the yo-yo cards. It makes it much more convenient. And um, 
They also say that there's more awareness on safety in construction sites and that there's more just general chain food stores, which, yeah, I guess I could agree to that as well. There's a lot more kind of established chains. Hilltop Tree also goes on to say that there's more foreigners in Taipei in general, but then less street vending carts that appear randomly. I mean, obviously there are still these things in night markets, but I guess that they're just not... There's not people kind of going around traveling, selling food as much, which I kind of also agree with. I saw that more in Zhongli in my first uh, few years in Taiwan. Jay-Z in the house says quite a long but direct list. Less corrupt, less gangsters in the countryside. Elon has gotten a lot nicer. Less fun bars in Taipei. People are way more willing to explore. Diverse group of expats. Way more Southeast Asian food options, expensive housing, salaries that haven't budged for 10 years for teachers, a younger generation that's more open, but pretty apathetic, way more nationalism, phone addiction, a much smaller Western expat scene, and way more Western food at grocery stores. I agree with all of that. Watermelons are delish, says that in his, his or her city, which shall remain anonymous, Every single bit of green space, field, place with trees, etc. has been destroyed to build massive concrete rectangles that they call apartment buildings. Yes, we know about this. They stand precariously close to each other. You can bet the vast majority of these buildings will remain mostly unoccupied. And they also say there's no sidewalks being built. Okay, yep, <laughs> we've talked about this in this podcast. But... To a certain uh, extent, uh, there is some positive comments. Xiao Pihai says that Gaosheng is trending in the right direction over the past eight years or so, becoming, <clears throat> becoming more walkable, more parks, more MRT stations, but still not as walkable as, as Taipei, but a nice place to live. And I agree, actually. A lot of the major industrial cities in Taiwan, Gaosheng, Taichung, Zhongli, um, they've been putting in a lot more improvements to make it comfortable and nice for people who live there with parks, with things to, to do, not just focusing only on industry. Liang Jr. says that it's much more cosmopolitan in Taiwan across the whole country. It used to be rare to see a foreigner or hear any conversation in a foreign language. They also say that the high-speed rail has shortened the distance between north to south. Yeah, totally true. That was just more than 10 years before. And finally, they say that there's more visibility in the international community. Most of their colleagues have some understanding of where Taiwan actually is and Taiwan's complicated relationship with China. Thanks to COVID and the chip shortage and the war in Ukraine putting Taiwan kind of on the map in the international news media. There's some more discussion on the Reddit about just seeing more foreigners in general. Foreigners, I assume, meaning Westerners. Lucas Engstrong, who is a YouTuber, actually, comments saying that there's tons of foreigners in Taiwan these days. Ten years ago, I would see maybe one other foreigner per week outside of the busiest school districts. Now it's multiple times per day. That's not for the whole country, but definitely Taipei, Taichung, Tainan, Kaohsiung, probably true. Lucas also goes on, goes on to say that Google Maps also shows public transportation now. Yes, yes, that was kind of confusing getting around my first few years in Taiwan because it wouldn't. It wasn't synchronized with any kind of like domestic scheduling app or whatever. Deb Top Ramen Schultz says that young people are more open to different flavors. 
yeah, people are less picky eaters. They have a you know, more of a wide-ranging palate now. This person says, that's gotten better even in the last five years. I cook for my church sometimes, people ranging from maybe 5 to 80, ages 5 to 80. Before, it was really annoying to do so, because no matter what I made, it was always too salty, too sour, too sweet, too spicy, too saucy, too much, not enough, not bad, but too different. <laughs> I like this person's comment. Back then, the kids were reluctant to try it. The older people refused to try it, and the older adults would prepare something else and only eat a little of what I made. But now... The kids get excited anytime I cook, and the adults always want me to make more stuff because they're more receptive of trying different flavors. I've also seen a lot more restaurants with international cuisines opening up and staying open. They used to be open and then be too different or expensive and then close down after a few months. Ice Cold Fresh from Taijong has a few really good points. That slang and internet memes seem more American and less Japanese-based recently. And they say that digitally, Taiwan seems to rely on foreign companies more now as we move from homegrown social media apps like PTT to Facebook, Line, and uh, Instagram, and YouTube, TikTok, etc. They also say, rightfully so, that big and tall-sized clothing have become more common. I can't really speak to this because, well, it's still a pain finding my shoe size in Taiwan. But this person says, 10 years ago, it would have been difficult to buy clothes for someone with a waist circumference of, say, 110 centimeters. Today, Uniqlo sells pants for people whose waist circumference is 124 centimeters. On the other hand, shoes in size US Men's 13 still are as, quote, exotic as they were 20 years ago, let alone 10 years ago. So it was kind of fun discussing this on Reddit as well, thinking back not only on my own experience in Taiwan in the past 10 years, but in how Taiwan has changed right before our eyes, even if we don't see the change day to day. You kind of got to take a step back and think about it in the big picture, and you can see that most change has actually been quite good. Keep going, Taiwan. And what I mean by that, keep going, Taiwan, is the last comment on Reddit comes from cdub85. In their opinion, the way Taiwan has changed in the past 10 years is more recreational biking. Totally agree. And thank you so much for joining today's episode of the Dear Taiwan podcast. This has been Teacher Joseph talking about the ways Taiwan has changed over the past 10 years. And we hope you'll tune in next time.